Let's turn to the, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. We will be looking at other scriptures, but Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, for a basis of our reading this evening. This evening's entitled The Last Days, World Events, and Armageddon. I personally would prefer to call it The Last Days, World Events, and the Great Battle of the the great battle of the day of God Almighty, but everyone knows the name of Armageddon, so we'll stay with it. Luke chapter 21. Andy, could you just turn me down slightly if I can feel it maybe boom a bit? Thank you. Luke chapter 21, beginning to read at verse 29. And he spake unto them, that is the Lord Jesus, and he spake unto them a parable. Behold, the fig tree. And all the trees, when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now at hand. So likewise ye, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not Pass away and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the curse of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And in that day he was teaching in the temple. And at night he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. Let's pray again. Father, thank you for everyone you have brought this packed house tonight again. We ask you now, Lord, that you would settle us in your presence. And also, Lord, that you would speak to every heart. Teach us your word tonight. And help us to understand. Give us listening ears and receiving hearts. And, oh God, if there be a word in my mouth, Lord, that is not from you, I pray, Lord, that you would erase it from our memories. But, oh God, that thy word would find a lodging place and grow in the lives of your people. And, Father, we ask you that you would help us tonight to exalt your Son in all of this. We ask it for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. When we were to say the last days, we want to pinpoint for you what are the last days. And then when we say world events, we could take you all around the world and there's so much happening around the world. We're thinking of California and Montana and Oregon at the moment and the United States, which has got vast forest fires. We don't hear much about it at the moment because on the the southern side of the states and around the, the Caribbean Gulf Coast, we have Texas and the tornadoes and the whirlwinds and the flooding of Houston and so on that came there. When we go to Florida and across the Caribbean islands, we see the, 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 the tornado that, that went up through there and how it flooded cities. And there, you actually seen a, a, a picture the other day of a shark swimming beside some man's boat going up the street. And all of these things that are happening and they're increasing in Idaho, there was a 5.3 measured uh, earthquake on the Richter scale in Idaho as well. We hear a little of it. So many things are happening 
And so many things are taking place. We could take you all around the world. We could speak about the European Union. We could talk about what is happening with that beast over there. And I don't apologize for saying that. We could look again as we go on around. And we will look more on the, on the Far East tonight. And we're going to show you how they're, they're preparing for the kings of the East. And eventful times that has happened. And how it brings us right to the very last days. The last of the last days. We could look at Africa and the slaying of, of tribe against tribe and nation over there against nation. We could show you many things. We could show you even the slavery one against the other there. And there's so many things that are happening. There's people and they're lining other tribes up and they're mowing them down. They're cutting them up, uh, to pieces. They're, they're doing all manner of things that are happening all over the globe. We could tell you of all these things. We could look at them and we could wonder, as we do, what on earth is going on? We could go to Syria. Well, it's all over the news. We could think of Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan. We could go to the south or to the Arabian Peninsula where there's bloodshed and murder going on all around there also. And you see, there's a, something we're going to look at tonight which brings us right into the heart of where we are tonight. For example, in if we look at the last days and we pinpoint when those last days are, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul tells us about them. He says, no, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And I think when we just take a glimpse at the news broadcasts, and if you read the newspapers, I don't read them, but if you do, you can, you can see all the things that are happening and hear them on radio broadcasts. We see the rise of of, of, of anti-Christian anti worship and the rise against the Word of God in our own nation. We see all of these things. We see the ugliness of the sin that's rising in this homeland of ours. We see how Christians are becoming those who are to be despised. We can see much more of it as we go on. The more we dwell on it, the more it will reveal itself onto us. It's perilous times. It's perilous times, especially for the West, when we see Islamic invasion coming in. Perilous times for the West when we see the radicalism, whether you're on a train or, a, or a, a tube or whether you're walking across a bridge and it's going to be a car, a knife, a gun, a bomb. And we see all of these things happening. No one knows who is who anymore. Our nation has been flooded with people from all over the world. And, and listen, it's okay, but here's the thing I want to pinpoint in it. They bring their gods. They bring their temples. They bring their worship. They bring their idols. And no longer is our heritage upheld and withhold, especially among the Christian nations. Because, why? Because we just don't care anymore. Because we're beaten down, as it were. We're beaten down with the big stick of political correctness. We're beaten down with a stick of multiculturalism and racism. If you were to say we, we, we don't want all these other gods worshipped in a land that was based on the word of God and the law that came from the Bible and that which we stood upon and which God blessed us in for all of these years. Now we're being told in Christian circles that we must mingle and join our worship together. Syncretism comes in and, and there we're told that we are now bigoted if we stand against such things as ecumenism, syncretism, and God willing, I'll talk about it more later. And this is where we are in the year 2017. We are living in the last of the last days. They're perilous times, not only in Britain and in the United States. We see the very troubles that's come in the United States, not only the, the things of the natural, as they call it, disasters, but God is trying to waken our nations up. 
And God is saying, turn to me again as your fathers once followed me. And the people of our nation are just so dumbed. Our children are programmed from a young age how to live. Our children are secretly, covertly programmed deep in their psyche, in their subconscious, in the very depths of their little hearts. Programmed into witchcraft. They're programmed into the LGBT communities. They're programmed into right is wrong and wrong is right. They're programmed, and listen, brethren, listen, sisters, if you and I do not teach our children the ways of God, you be assured that the Word will teach them the ways of the devil. Be assured of it. We're living in perilous times, and in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse Verses 1 and 2, listen to what it says. God, who at sundry times and divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers. He's speaking of the Old Testament fathers of the prophets. Speaking to Israel in the Old Testament, he says, spake in time past unto our fathers by the prophets. Listen, half in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Now in the New Covenant era, he's saying Christ has come. And Christ, he says, has ushered in the last days. Christ has ushered in the last days for mankind. Listen to what Peter says in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. He says it on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out and Christ had ascended up to the right hand of the majesty of God or the place of power and authority. Listen to this, and it shall come to pass in the last days. Peter is preaching this at the day of Pentecost. Peter is preaching this, and he's saying, these are the last days that the prophets have spoken of. For Christ has come, and Christ has went to the cross, and Christ has shed his blood to redeem us from our sin, he says. He says, and now he has given of us of his spirit. And these are the last days which we are living in. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream, dream, said Peter. Listen to Peter again, Second Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4, he says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, there's it again, there shall come in the last days, listen, scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? Have you recently, brother, met a scoffer? Sister, have you recently spoken to a scoffer? Someone who says, oh, you've believed that this is the last of the last days. You've believed in the second coming of Christ. You've believed this. You've taught us. You've told us. You've spoken to us. You've witnessed all about it. But where is he? He's still nowhere to be found nor seen. Peter says in the last days, people will say more and more, where is his coming? Where is his coming? Brothers and sisters, don't you give in and never give up. Keep trusting for Christ is even out the doors. We are waiting for the second coming of the Son of God. Notice this. Here it says, their scoffers shall come in the last days. Now in every instance, I have mentioned the last days to you. 2 Timothy 3 and 1, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 17, 2 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4. In every single instance where the last days is mentioned, the word for last days is is the word eschatos. Eschatos. And it's where you and I, in theological circles, will hear of the great doctrine of eschatology, the one where everybody argues about. And really, eschatos means the latter end, that which is at the uttermost of time. So all of these men are saying, we're at the last days, we're at the latter end, yet 2,000 years has passed. Do you not know that Peter also says that a 1,000 years is like a day in the Lord's sight? And a day is as a 1,000 years? So Jesus is really, in heaven's terms, away two days. He's only away two days. And it seems so long, and the scoffers can go on, and they can say, well, where is the sign of his coming over 2,000 years since he ascended, and there's still no sign? Listen, he's only been there two days. So time has been short, as it were, in a place where there is no time. Now, I notice this. It gives the idea of late in the evening. Now, if it's late in the evening and the apostles are telling us, how much later in the evening is it this evening? We know whenever it starts getting dusk and the sun starts going down, and we know that it's going to fall into complete darkness soon. And the idea here is Paul and Peter alike are saying when Jesus ascended and poured out his Spirit, he's saying you must get ready. You must be redeemed, trusting in his precious blood. He says, you must be born again. You must be saved. That means born from above. Born with him coming down and living in you. For the evening is far spent, and the day is at hand, says Paul. In other words, we're at dusk, maybe even ready for the very last glimmer of light of this day of grace. Are you saved? Are you ready? Do you know you've been redeemed with precious blood? Here we find in our reading, Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Verse 29 and 30. Listen to what Luke tells us. And he spake unto them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is nigh at hand. Now, I haven't time to go through all of this. But in the book of Jeremiah, he sees figs. Good figs and naughty figs. Or good figs and bad figs. And it represents the southern kingdom of Judah. Israel separates into two kingdoms, ten tribe northern kingdom in the north, and the two tribe really southern kingdom in the south, Judah. The northern kingdom becomes known as Israel. And Judah then becomes corrupt after Israel is carried away captive and scattered. And they become corrupt and carried away into Babylon. We read Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, and we read of Daniel in the lion's den, and then a certain amount come out to reestablish a temple there. But in saying this, that fig represented Judah, who then became known as Jews. Many of them were false Jews. Not true Judaites. 
And they became greedy in the earth later in years and wicked in the earth. They took on even those they hadn't. Many of them were proselytes who had not got one drop of Abraham's blood in them. We're going to show you that a little later on, God willing. So here he speaks of the fig tree, if we can call it the Jewish people today. Stay with me. In our chapter, Luke chapter 21, if you let your eye just reverse up a little and go to verse 24, at the end of this verse, Jesus says, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles or the nations. Until the times of the Gentiles, those nations, in other words, be fulfilled. Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. We need to look at this. I have taught this numerous occasions, and you need to get it into you, because the year that we are going to look at is pivotal for the fig tree re-blossoming and bringing all things together. We look and see the problems in the earth then. Notice this. In Leviticus chapter 26, we'll not turn to it, write it down, read it when you go home. The Lord says to all Israel, that is when the, it was a united uh, people together. And he says in Leviticus 26 that if you walk with me, I'd paraphrase, if you walk with me, I'll walk with you, I'll bless you. But if you walk contrary unto me and do not obey my laws, then I will not bless you, but I will rather curse you. You will come under punishment seven times more for your sin. Seven times more for your sin. So why do we work seven times? Well, it's like this. One time is 360. That's the simple way to work it out. There's lunar and solar years and so on. But one time is 360. A circle has 360 degrees. Seven times is seven times 360, which equals 2,520. 2,520. 2,520 years punishment would come upon Israel if they walk contrary unto God. Now, Israel separates into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom, we have Ahab and Jezebel in their capital city of Samaria. The southern kingdom, we have uh, good king Jehoshaphat and, uh, and, and like him, Hezekiah and so on, ruling from the, the true line of Judah coming out of Jerusalem. And so because the northern kingdom had fallen deeply into sin, we read the prophet Amos who came from Judah to Israel to prophesy, to tell him to turn to God. We have Elijah there. We have Elisha there. And we have Isaiah speaking to the, to the both houses there too. We have the book of Hosea. Hosea was in the northern kingdom. So it was all to do with the north in these books when you read them in your Bible. And of course, at this point, they fall into idolatry and they fall into spiritual adultery and they become wicked in their ways and they worship other gods. And God, through their lack of warning, speaking unto the fathers by the prophets. They don't turn to God and out of their sin and he sends uh, the armies of the Chaldeans. They come over and they take away the house of Israel. 
And the house of Israel never return as a nation again. And they settle around the northern parts, then go through the Dariel Pass and start migrating westward. Now in the south, we have Judah. And Judah fall into the same trap of idolatry and spiritual adultery. They fall into the same trap of wickedness and sin, and God then sends the Babylonians. It's the Assyrians who come to the northern kingdom, and then it is the Babylonians around 120 years later and carries them away captive again. They would not turn away from their sin. And so we need to look at the seven times punishment in accordance to when these two uh, nations now I call, they become known as two sticks, two brothers, two kingdoms. They become known as many things. Two destinies are different then. We now need to look at what uh, happened in the earth. Notice what Jesus says, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. The fig tree represents jury. J-E-W-R-Y. Jury. And it represents the the Israeli state, the Jews, Jewish people who, have now, uh, who are now living in Palestine or the Canaan land, the Holy Land as some people like to call it. But when we see it there, he says, watch this, when this sprouts up, he says, watch all the other trees. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 55, it's speaking of the coming of the Lord. He says, the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And I've heard preachers say, even the trees are going to clap their hands. Listen, what trees clap hands? What tree has hands? The trees are the nations, especially those whom the Lord calls his own. Here comes our king, the Messiah, he who is right is to reign upon us and over us. The trees of the nations will clap their hands for great tribulation will have taken over the earth. Great slaughter in Armageddon. And stay with me as we Go further into this. So the house of Israel, I'll just there was different captivity. So they come and they take away. They come back and they take away. And they take the northern kingdom. Then later they come down and they take the southern kingdom. Let me just pick a couple of dates out just for tonight. For example, in the house of Israel, their main deportation was 721 BC. 721 BC starts their seven times at uh, their seven times punishment. 2,520 years, takes you right down to the year minus one, and then you add one for there's no year, nothing, and you go to plus one, and you continue on taking away your 2520. And it brings us to the year of 1801. 1801, what happened was this. It was the union, the act of union of Great Britain and Ireland. You might say, well, what has that got to do with, with it? Watch the nations, God raising us up. God speaking in the West where the house of Israel had fled and migrated. Watch how God lifts up other nations. And God has a plan and a purpose in the earth. Notice in 604 BC, when we go to the southern kingdom of Judah, when they're carried away to Babylon, 604, 2,520 years is their seven times punishment. You go right down and then you keep taking away and you come to the year 1917. You see, in Jerusalem, we had the Babylonians who took them away. And then later, after the Babylonians came the Medes and the Persians. After the Medes and the Persians came Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire. And then after that came the Roman Empire. And then that was who was there when Christ was there and Pontius Pilate 
And then after that, it talks about the feet and the legs of iron and made of clay. They don't stick together because, you see, it's syncretism. Now, in 607 BC, Nebuchadnezzar was crowned king in Babylon. 607 BC. If you take 2,520 years, you go right down to Nod and keep going again, you come onto the year 1914 AD. This is the year of World War I. Watch the, the, the trees of the, these nations. Watch it. Now watch how God works. In 1915, Turkey joined Germany, Kaiser's Germany in World War I, 1915. And you may say, well, what's that got to do with it? Watch carefully. In 604 BC, Nebuchadnezzar captures Jerusalem, and as I said, it liberates after 2,520 years, Jerusalem from the Turkish Mohammedan Ottoman Empire. And they had a vast empire which went right around the great river Euphrates, down into where Iraq is today and further afield. Goes down south and across even North Africa and parts around there. And so when we look at it, we see this great empire. And this empire was invincible because many, many men tried to liberate it in World War I. That is Jerusalem. And, and the Ottoman Empire couldn't be budged, couldn't be shifted. And then we're told that General Allen, Allenby, Edmund Allenby, pardon me, he takes over his troops, and there's war all over the cities and the towns of, the, of Canaan land or the Holy Land. And all of the cities, there's bloodshed everywhere, and he comes to Jerusalem, and he sends over a squadron of little bi-wing planes, probably made of something like balsa wood and paper, and not much more. And he sends them over Jerusalem. Here's a picture of it. This is the actual pictures they take. And not dropping bombs out the side as they did of those old planes, and not shooting their machine guns at the front that you see with their big glasses on. He drops leaflets telling them to surrender and the Turks just drop their weapons and leave. Not a shot fired, not a bomb dropped. And then this God was already in the working for in Isaiah 31 and verse 5, it says, as birds flying. You see it? As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending, he will deliver it, and passing over, he will preserve it. The little Planes that you see are number 14 bomber squadron from the Air Flying Corps. There was no RAF then. Remember, these are just like a new invention. And number 14 bomber squadron had a medal struck up. And there it said in the motto, I spread my wings and keep my promise. God had kept his promise of what he said he would do. Now, stay with me. In Luke 21 and 29, Jesus said, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. As I mentioned in Isaiah 55, the trees of the field will clap their hands. Does that mean a field with trees in it? No, the, Jesus tells us what the field is. For example, the parable of the man who goes and finds a treasure in a field and goes and gives all he has that he may redeem it or buy it. He finds the treasure which was Israel in the field. The field is the world, Jesus said. And he says, I'll give my life's blood for him to redeem them. 
Now notice this. Matthew 13, he tells a parable of the sower. And he sows the good seed, and he tells us in one parable, the good seed is the word of God. Then in this parable, he tells us the good seed are the children of the kingdom. And the, the tares are sown at night. The devil, the enemy comes and sows tares. And we know the parable, I take it, if not read Matthew chapter 13. And explaining this parable, Jesus says these words. The field is the world. Notice the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom and the tares are the children of the wicked one. So here the Lord Jesus says that the children of God are the good seed in the field. He scattered like grain, first of all the house of Israel and then the house of Judah. Notice this. Stay with me please. You're listening to me well. We now look at world events. It's last, last days and then more world events we move into. 1917. In 1917, we had which was no, what was known as the Balfour Declaration. And in 1917, we see Jews from every avenue and place coming from all over the place. In 1917, other things started to happen, though. All the trees of the field, the other nations started to rise. Luke 21 and verse 30, it says, he says, when they now shoot forth, notice, when they, the trees, when they now shoot forth, this lends the idea of a national change or coming into nation status. When they now shoot forth, he says, you see, and know of your own selves that summer is now at hand. Here he means you see, you know, you perceive, you'll understand, you will be aware and be awake that you're living in the last days, these perilous times. There are two people living in these days. First of all, there are those who have heard, received, and obeyed the word of God, who have placed their trust in the Christ, Messiah, the Lord Jesus, who died at Calvary and shed his most precious blood who in these last days has spoken unto us. There are those who are regenerated by the Spirit, made alive unto God, sealed by the Holy Ghost, and baptized. Notice this. Acts chapter 2 and 17. Peter says, It shall come to pass, saith the Lord, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. These are the days that we are living in. When the Spirit of God was poured out afresh and anew again, the second blessing came, the outpouring. And listen, we hear much of Azusa Street and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Azusa Street. Listen, it wasn't the first outpouring. Topeka, Kansas was the first outpouring under Charles Parham. And then Topeka, Kansas, Topeka, Kansas and then Azusa Street later on. And then it came here with George Jeffries and Stephen Jeffries, and we've seen the apostolic movement coming out. We see all of the Pentecostal flame burning. And we've seen then God is raising up a people, a people who will love him and serve him. Now notice this. Luke chapter 21, verse 29. Behold the fig tree. You know it's 100 years from the Israeli state was formed. That's 100 years on the... 8th of December, it was, liber it was liberated from the Turks. And on the 9th of December, Allenby went in the Jaffa Gate 
He didn't go on horse in the Jaffa Gate, but rather he got off his horse and walked in. There's pictures of it as well. And you can see how the Lord here, the Lord has been raising up other nations. Now listen, in 1917 at this time, we saw the Bolshevik Revolution. The Khazarian Empire. Listen, they were bad figs. Many of them, like Lenin and Trotsky, Karl Marx, many of them were bad figs. In other words, they came from a Jewish background, but they weren't true Judaics. And they slaughtered millions of Christians. The Bolshevik Revolution, of course, under the Marxist ideology, brought in communism. Of course, then, the suppose was the, the Tsar of Russia as their king. They had no more king, but it was a, a state of communism. Now, stay with me while we, while we run through something here. Also in Portugal, we had what was known as the Visions of Mar, Mar, Majaguri. Three shepherd children said they saw Mary. And the vision say, go consecrate unto me the heart of Russia unto my name. And, and of course, war starts again out of it. These land visions were spirits of devils. We also had a, a, a student called Mao Zedong. Mao Zedong was a Chinese student in Russia, and he brought the Marxist ideology back to China. And when he brings it back to China, he starts to gather people around him, and they start to live on these Marxist ideologies. And as he does this, from, we're told that there's war then happens, a civil war in China. And through the civil war, do you know today, legally speaking, there's two Chinas in the world? There's actually two Chinas. There's the China you and I know, that great mass of land and peoples, the People's Republic of China. And then there's another smaller country called the Republic of China. The Republic of China is better known as Taiwan today. But their real name is the Republic of China. There was a war. And what happened was this was a spiritual war going on. Now it's through men's flesh. There's bloodshed everywhere. And all things are heating up. From 1910... Japan ruled Korea, annexed it off from China. There was war with China and then annexed off Korea and it ruled Korea. And they kept fighting until the bombs of Nagasaki and Hiroshima were dropped by the United States in 1945. And then Japan withdrew their troops and left the Koreans there. Russia moved in to uh, North Korea and the United States moved in to the south. And so we have what's known as the 30th parallel was drawn between these two countries was their border. And you might say, what has this got to do with any, everything? Well, in Revelation chapter 16, if you'll turn with me, please. Revelation chapter 16. And listen to what John saw on the Isle of Patmos. Verse 12 says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. 
And the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. The kings of the east, the term of it means the kings from the rising sun. The kings from the rising sun might be prepared. Now, whenever we look at this, the river Euphrates dried up when the Ottoman Empire in 1844, the Lord started raising up Great Britain as a power through industrial revolution, and they started going out as a great nation, and they were able to say unto the Ottoman Empire, who were slaying people who were saying they were converted to Christianity at the time, who said, you better stop this. And the sultan then, he stopped it. Or at least he slowed it down. God was raising up armies and raising up nations. And then after this, we're told that in 1917, it was the British who came and liberated Jerusalem from the Ottoman Empire. What happened? The great river Euphrates, where they had populated round and irrigated. If you look at it in a map, it's all green in the midst of a desert land because it's where it was irrigated and people lived around Euphrates. It began to dry up at the retreating of the people of the Ottoman Empire until it became what was known as the little Turkish, or the Turkish Republic as we know it this very day. So you can see how God was working. So in 1917, it was a real change in atmosphere. The great river Euphrates dried up. The waters thereof was the Turkish Ottoman Empire. And the way of the kings of the rising of the sun or of the east might be prepared. So what is happening is the kings of the east, where we hear not much about them. Now Japan has retreated. Korea is now left with Russia and the United States. By 1948, now listen, get the date, 1948, Russia retreated out of North Korea. The United States came away from North Korea and left just some troops there. Almost every one of them were gone by 1949. You might say, well, what's the the problem there? Well, Jesus says, behold, the fig tree and all the trees. The fig tree came into nationhood. In 1948, in 1948, here we come. Now, uh, the 1948 into 49, war starts. Listen. The North Koreans, they lobbied Joseph Stalin to come and help them to take over the south of Korea. This is all happening from 1917 now. And the North Koreans were helped by Joseph Stalin, almost overran the whole of Korea until the United States and Great Britain and the Korean War started in 1950 and it finished in 1953. What was happening? It's preparing the way for the kings of the East. They're all starting to rise up. There was a, a young man when it was annexed off. There was a young man who fought along with uh, Korean, or pardon me, in Korea, along with uh, Chinese troops. And he fought the war. And his name was Kim Il-sung. And this young man was a communist. And Kim Il-sung had a son called Kim Jong-il. You don't need to remember these, Okay. He became supreme leader from 1974. And Kim Il-sung died in 1994. And he had a second son called Kim Jong-un. 
who is who we hear about in your news today. Now, Kim Jong-un said that he was going to fire rockets. They now had the capability to blow Guam out of the water. Just this week, he said to Japan that he was going to sink it. Now you realize why, because it's, that was their enemies. Now you realize why he fired a rocket over Japan. The Americans have now sailed many of their, much of their fleet up into the South Pacific. They are now in the process of building a massive uh, uh, naval base north of Australia, in the north of Australia. Then they have Guam. They're in Taiwan. They're all over the place. Now, I told you a lot of weeks ago about the world banking system, if you remember that, if you were here. One of the countries I said who did not have a world banking system was what? North Korea. Didn't I tell you? And if you remember, I said, watch North Korea. They haven't got a world banking system. They're next. Go back and listen to it. That's what this is about. The world bankers, the Rothschilds, the Bilderbergers, and all of them who are in high castles, as it were, all of them who are money greedy, who fund the war and have America and Great Britain in trillions of debt, then fund the other side of the war and have their opponents in great debt. And in the meantime, we're being obliterating each other and wiping each other out all over the planet. And they're sitting rubbing their hands like the seed of Satan themselves. You may say to me, they're Jews. Yeah, they are. They're bad figs. They're not true Judaites. So we see the fig tree 1948. We see Korea 1948 and many others starting to spring up from 1917. Revelation chapter 16 again Verse 13 says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frog come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. So here we have spirits of devils like unclean frogs. In other words, they're, they're numerous. They're everywhere. They're, they're, they're a horrible thing. It's a spirit of devils who are working in a new world order. Around the, around the, the Asian, East, Far East peninsulas and around the countries there, we have what is known as the ASEAN group. Has anyone heard of the ASEAN group? The ASEAN group means the Association of the Southeast Asian Nations. The Association of the Southeast Asian Nations are now the peoples of Indonesia and Thailand, Philippines, Singapore, Malaysia, and Vietnam are brought into it. There's what's known as them plus three. In other words, they're now like as though they're trying to get into the European Union, countries wanting in for trading and so forth. Notice, and those trees are, are pardon me, yes, well, they're trees. Those nations are Japan, Korea, and then, of course, there's the People's Republic of China, the big China we know. And they were gathering all these Asian nations together. Why? It's a block group that the bankers can work. 
It's a block group that New World Order can say, I'm operating them. It's like the European Union. It's like the, the treaties of, of, of the Americas where they're wanting to build roadways and railways right from the south of America through Mexico right up through the United States to branch off out right into Canada that they may be ruled as one country. Of course, then you have the African League of Nations. They're doing it with Africa. They're doing it all over the world, brothers and sisters, under our nose, a trilateral commissioner doing it, and all these other people. And it's a new world order of, of, of global elite who are bringing it together. And it's the spirits of devils. Especially when the people of our nation look at the European Union. I've seen a, a clip of uh, the, the last night of the proms. And there they had their Union Jacks waving them in the, the great pomp and ceremony in London. And it looked fantastic. And there they're waving their Union flag. And lo and behold, all over the place, from one end of it to the other, people brought out that banner of the beast, the European Union flag, and waved it in their midst. Oh, we find here these three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. The dragon is godless philosophies of the world. Humanism, atheism, communism, Marxism. We find that there are so many of these philosophies, the beast, the false religion, Catholicism, apostate Protestantism, the ecumenism, the church acceptance of sin, Syncretism. Syncretism is really amalgamation of religions, cultures, schools of thoughts and philosophies. Sure, now we have Chrislam. It's everything together. Free thinkers come into the church. Modernism and the Word of God. Everything to take it away from what it really is and what it really says. And we find it all over our nation. The beast of Europe, we see it there. We see this with, the, as we've mentioned, the bankers and all all those who are in high-ranking position. Then there's the false prophet. Speaks for itself. Muhammad. The false prophet of Islam. In Revelation 16, verses 17 to 21. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. There was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. Great Babylon came to remembrance before God. They gave unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Here we find that there's five quick points just to, I'll just shout them out at you, to notice about how the world will end up. I hear people saying, the Great Tribulation was away back in A.D. 70. And I hear great people saying, Great Tribulation is yet to come. I believe from 1914 we've been in it. And it's going to get worse. First of all, we have this war. It's global. 
Verse 14, the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the whole earth and of the whole world. It's a global, one-worldism. That's global. Secondly, it is spiritual. Verse 13, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. These are spirits. It's spiritual. Thirdly, it's physical. Verse 16, he gathered them together in the place in the Hebrew tongue called Armageddon, the valley of Megiddo. Look, this is just, that's just the place for the blue touch paper, by the way. And then it is powerful. Verse 20. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. There's coming a time when this earth will be totally obliterated. But for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it's Ariel. It's Ariel in verse 21. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, or out of the skies fell a great hail. Could this be the bombs we have seen dropped over the years? Those planes dropping them? Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Could it be even worse than that again? Do you know the, the, the Americans have now developed a weapon that you can't see it, but it just hits like a beam of light. It's like a space-age weapon now, and it can blow anything up. Could it be nuclear warheads? Great hail falling out of heaven. In Revelation chapter 17 and 18, when you read them, you will read of the judgment of the great whore. Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. Notice she's the mother of harlots, speaking of Roman uh, and its physical uh, attributes of the European Union and speaking of more as it goes out across the nations, trading as it did at times with all the kings of the earth. It speaks of that which is financial. It speaks of the, the monetary system that we live under. Every one of us are a slave. Every one of us are in slavery to the bankers. Now, please don't go. I have people in here working the bank. Don't go and give off to them. It's not them I'm speaking about. And of course, it speaks of every stupid, senseless, thick Protestant minister. He has ecumenized with the whore. When you read Revelation 19, you'll read of the coming of Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. In Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 to 10, I'll read it to you. Paul says, and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and not obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. Why? Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Is there someone here and you're not right with God and you're not saved and Christ is at the doors? Or maybe your life could be over tonight 
God forbid, but maybe your life, maybe this could be the time. I've not been the first time to preach to someone and have died within the hour. You see, when Christ returns, we're going to be clapping our hands. Our Messiah has come. Our Redeemer, the Lamb of God, the one who came to redeem us from our sin. When He comes and breaks the clouds, when He comes, we're going to admire Him. In fact, some preachers believe, some old theologians believe, that we will admire what He's done in others, never mind ourselves. And why? Because we have believed the testimony of Jesus Christ. The blood that he shed, we have believed that he has shed his blood that you and I might be saved, forgiven of our sins. Maybe you're not saved tonight. Will you believe tonight the testimony you're hearing of Christ's return? Will you believe tonight that you must be born again, born from above? Will you believe tonight if God is speaking to you, if the Holy Ghost is dealing with you and you know you're not saved, will you believe tonight the testimony that is preached of a covenant-keeping God? Will you get saved tonight? Will you be ready tonight? Will you make your calling and your election sure? By calling on the Lord Jesus Christ. One last point and I'm closed. Thank you for your attention. In Revelation chapter 16 and verse 17 speaks of the seventh angel. Seven is the number of God's perfect completeness. This is the last angel of judgment. This is where we are. The spirits, unclean spirits like frogs are from the sixth. Now we're, in this, we're coming close to the seventh. That's where we are in time and in history. The last days, the perilous times. In Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7, it talks about the seventh angel. In Revelation 11 and verse 17, it speaks of the seventh angel. Read them when you go home, and it's always a declaration of something great. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his anointed. That's one of the declarations. Read it when you go home. This angel, this angel cries, it is done. The last one. It is done. But oh, it's a very similar rendering as Christ cried. And I thank him that he did. When he paid my debt on Calvary's tree and he shed his most precious blood that I might be saved, he cried, It is finished. Our debts were paid in full. It's the same. Jesus said, There's nothing else to add, there's nothing else to bring, there's nothing else to do but to trust in the finished work of Christ on Calvary for the remission of sin, for the saving of the soul, for the redemption of his people Israel, and the salvation of the whosoever will. Oh, Jesus paid it all. The final expiation by Christ is it is finished. And in our reading, the final consummation of judgment by the angel is, it is done. Are you saved? Ready.